Uh, one man who's been watching it all, I mean it all, uh, joins us now. Uh, Football World Cup compulsive. Uh, he can speak for himself, but I'm pretty sure he fell in love with the Football World Cup Argentina 1978. Um, and here's an incredible uh, string, Grant. One thing I'm certain of, no one has watched more consecutive World Cup games than our next guest, and no one has probably watched more bad performances uh, there from the Wellington Firebirds uh, than from our next fan, who's generally uh, perched in the RA advanced. And from the same seat. I've walked yeah. past him many times yeah. on that same seat. It's Ewan McCabe, the World Cup baby, author and World Cup superfan. Ewan, how are you? Are you surviving halfway through a World Cup? Afternoon, Ewan. Hello, Grant. Um, I'm barely surviving. Um, this has been very rigorous, uh, I must say. 11 straight nights of four games a night, so that's 44 games in 11 days. And um, I'm looking forward to the next tournament because apparently there's going to be 80 games at the next World Cup. So I'll have to consider my future, I think, in the next four years, a possible semi-retirement maybe. Um, but I'm up wow. to... Um, I'm up to 491 now, so consecutive games I've watched. So the eight round of 16 matches and then the first quarter final will be number 500. So uh, I might be hanging up my bat at some stage, I think. The streak <laughs> goes back to 94, much. right? It's 1994. If I got uh, that right, I said it earlier on the show. I'm pretty sure it was 94 onwards. It started it in Italy in 1990. I, I went to the World Cup in Italy in 1990, and um, I was in the stadium in Rome uh, preparing for Italy's quarterfinal against the Republic of Ireland. And up on the big screen, they had the penalty shootout between Argentina and Yugoslavia when the great Diego Maradona kind of popped his penalty straight at the Yugoslav keeper. Um, and I'd missed the Brazil-Argentina game because I'd been on a bus coming north from Naples and I just decided at that point, well, it's great to go to a World Cup, but the problem when you go to a World Cup, unless you're Infantino, who seems to pop up at every match, uh, if you go if you go to a World Cup, you're going to miss games. So I decided I just can't miss games. So uh, from 1994 USA onwards, um, I've watched every game at every tournament. Um, it's just the kind of thing you do um, if you haven't got a life. Brilliant. I think it's magnificent. You know that. Oh, <laughs> that was going to be my question, Ewan, is that you actually didn't think about going to Qatar. But, I mean, surely you've got to end the streak with going to a World Cup, missing a few. I reckon number 1,000 should be at, should be at a, a venue. Oh, I'll be dead by then, Daniel. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I might consider, you know, the USA, Mexico, Canada, next oh. World Cup. Um, I get past the 500 here and then maybe decide... Um, I'll actually go go to the tournament because that will be fantastic. The last World brilliant. Cup hosted in the United States was a magnificent tournament, um, brilliantly supported by the Americans. And with Canada and Mexico tacked on in four years, that should be a fantastic tournament. So who knows? But look, these late nights, um, four, four games every night. I mean, in the past, it's normally been three. They've ramped it up to four. It's re- it is tough going. But having said that, the football has just been tremendous. I mean, people ask me, do you ever fall asleep? But I think the more pertinent question is, how can you sleep uh, with the kind of football that we've been watching in the last um, 12 days or so? Yeah, Ewan, um, before we get on to the tournament itself, because, yeah, it has been absolutely fantastic, and I don't think anyone's been able to pick what's, what's happened. 
But are you going to hand the mantle over to someone to take over your legacy of, of watching every World Cup game? Um, I haven't got anyone on mind. Maybe you, Grant. Um, you're looking for something to do in life, aren't you? Um, <laughs> he doesn't have that... the attention span for it, mate. He does, he'll be the... oh, there's too much Instagramming in. <laughs> well, you no, know, well, there must Africa be someone that's doing this same thing as you, you, and that's watching this football, and maybe not as intensely as you 491 are. 491 games. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And you get to you get to that five hundredth game. I think that you need to find someone who says right. You hand it over. He needs to find someone live right. game at USA. You hand over the mantle. Right. He needs it's over to find to someone. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I, and Ewan has a role. You can't really ask him of how does the the tournament rate until at least two or three months after a tournament. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, I've got to, I've got to, you know, let the whole tournament absorb itself into my thinking before I can make a, a decision. And also, one thing that really annoys me, and I know because I've worked with Daniel before around World Cups, he knows this. You do not ask me who's going to win. Um, and yeah, that's yeah, the question no. That everybody asks me because a, I don't know, and b, I don't want to know because I don't want the tournament to end. It's about the journey, not the destination. And so when it comes to decide who the world champion is, it's quite a depressing day for me because it means I've got another four years yeah. to wait for the next World Cup. Yeah, and, and I feel like that today because I, I, I finished my involvement at the, the World Cup today and I felt a bit flat when Grant walked into the studio. You're like, you okay? And I'm like, no, I commentated my last game today. So it's, I, I, I share some similarity with you and today. But I would like to know, you know, how, you know throw me some words to describe what you have seen over these last group games. It's been extraordinary drama. So many twists and turns, whether it was Japan and Costa Rica of all countries for that 10 minute, maybe a five, 10 minute slice where Germany and Spain were going to get knocked out of the group stage. How do you describe what you've seen maybe over the last few days as we finally got it down to 16? I think the, the word I choose is unbelievable. Um, it's just been incredible, and um, I loved. I watched the Costa Rica Germany game, and I just love the commentator. He said, um, uh, "He said if a spaceship landed in the centre circle now, um, nobody had bat an eyelid, because it was just uh, at, at that point that was when Costa Rica, uh, you know, were qualifying with Japan, and Germany and Spain were on their way out. Uh, and you look at that group." When it came out, you know, that Group E, you looked at it, it was the group that kind of everyone salivated over because it had two of the giants of the game in it, and you kind of felt for Japan and Costa Rica. But <laughs> incredible, isn't it, that Japan have topped the group and Germany are going home. Uh, and just it just carried on. I think we, we had the drama of South Korea again this morning. And we almost got it in the last round of matches too. Um, you know, if Switzerland had got an extra goal or Serbia got a goal, it would have changed the mechanics of that group totally. Um, it's just been phenomenal. I mean, there is this is the first World Cup since 1994 that uh, there hasn't been one team that have won all three of their games. Uh, and in 1994, there were only six groups. And so this is the first eight-group World Cup where nobody's got a 100% record. And I think that really encapsulates the tournament. Nobody's been able to really get a grip on things and, and show their class. There have been 
glimpses of class by the expected um, suspects. Teams like Spain and Brazil have given us glimpses. Um, but nobody's really, uh, you know, even England as well, you know, they had that very flat performance against the United States. So nobody's really got a grip on things. So it just leaves the whole thing up in the air in terms of what's going to happen now, you know, because we now go into genuine knockout football. We've had knockout football effectively uh, for the last uh, three or four nights, but it's genuine knockout stuff. And nobody's got a clue what's going to happen, really, because the big guns are all wobbling a little bit. And you've got sides like Morocco and Japan and even South Korea, Australia. You know, they could bowl somebody else uh, at some point. So this could just carry on. And I hope it does. One of the great things for me about the World Cup is I'm a a neutral, so I can just enjoy. I hate it when anybody's knocked out because it's so sad I was just felt so much for Uruguay this morning because they're one of my favourites. But as Daniel and I, I'm a big Italian fan, so the Italians, of course, didn't qualify, so I don't have to worry about it. So it's just about sitting back and enjoying it for me and, and it's turned up, turned up trumps in that respect. Uh, Ewan, uh, what does this tell us about world football? Does it mean that, you know, it's not like test cricket where there's only three nations that are head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, does it mean that everyone's getting closer to, um, you know, I guess the, the superpowers of football when you see someone like Germany getting knocked out? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think the gap's been closing for probably the last 20 years or so. We had a World Cup in 2002 where uh, teams like South Korea and Japan and the United States all shone and that was a bit of a wake-up call because the big guns had dominated. Um, and in the last 20 years, that gap's continued to close. And I think you've just got to look up the make, at, at the makeup of the last 16, uh, eight European sides. You kind of expect that. Uh, but just two from South America and three from Asia. I mean, what kind of odds would you have got three Asian teams, Japan, South Korea mm. and Australia, what odds would you have got on more Asian teams in the last uh, 16 and South American sides? You've got the United States there from the North American uh, Confederation. You've got two African sides. So you've got a real mixture there. I think mm. we need to just draw a breath here, and I think one of the big guns will still come through. We've only had you know nine world champions in the history of the World Cup, and but even though the likes of Italy, Germany, Uruguay have all gone, I think the you know France, Brazil, Argentina, and England are still in Spain. They're kind of the big five, and they've all been world champions before. And there's, there is, you know, I would still fancy one of them to come through in the end. But it's this. Uh, the, 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 there's no question the gaps are closing. Hold on, Grant. I have a sneaking suspicion you were just about to ask you and a question about who's going to win a game. He told you you don't you don't talk to him about who's going to win games or win the tournament itself. You ask questions like this, you and what what manager or player has won your heart with their antics, their shithousery, whatever it might be, uh, throughout the group stage of this tournament. Uh, well, I think the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper <laughs> who took out his defender. <laughs> yeah. I mean that was just that. That was one of the great moments of the World Cup. But look, my absolute <laughs> hero of this World Cup is Paolo Bento, the um, Portuguese coach of South Korea. I don't know if you saw this morning, but um, he got a red card the other day, which meant he had to sit in the stand 
for this morning's game. And he actually so got told off by the spectators around him because he was standing up all the time. Um, you know, they were telling him to sit down. And this, this, this guy, there's, there's, always a, there's always a complete nutter, uh, a manager who's a complete nutter. And this guy, Paolo Bento of South Korea, um, he's the nutter. And I think that it's just fantastic South Korea got through in the end because it means we're going to see more of him. He's going to be back down on the bench um, for their match against Brazil. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, in terms of players, um, uh, there's been um, the, the the ball chap from Morocco. Um, uh, sorry, from Tunisia. Kasri, is it? Um, yeah, Wahib Kasri, yeah. Absolutely fabulous. Yeah, yeah, he's been absolutely fabulous. So always a huge smile on his face. And, of course, Bentecourt from, um, have I got his name right? No, not Bentecourt. Yep. Uh, the, the, the Cameroonian striker who did the little lob against but, Serbia. Um, yeah. Oh, Abubakar, who got sent off <laughs> today. Abubakar, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Abubakar, who scored <laughs> against Brazil. They win, takes his shirt off, Grant, and got sent off. <laughs> that was the second yellow card. Just the second red card of the tournament came from a guy celebrating too much. Brilliant. Taking his shirt off. That's just brilliant, isn't it, Ewan? Oh, it's fantastic. In the World Cup, they always throw up these little treasures. treasures. Uh, but it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, we've got the kind of older brigade there, haven't we? Um, the last dance for the likes of Luka Modric, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. And great to see Danny Alves out there this morning, 39 years old for Brazil. Pepe, 39 for Portugal. So it's not, a, not all a young man's sport. Um, but, you know, of the, the great, Modric, Messi, uh, Ronaldo, who's going to come out on top? That's the big question at the end of the day. Will it be Leano Messi? Will he finally put to bed that thing that he hasn't won a, a World Cup? Yeah, he'll be on the pantheon with Diego Maradona if he can do it. Uh, Ronaldo, I think he's a little bit past his best, but the guy's still capable of producing something, something special. And we all, as we all know, he's a big occasion player, so there might be still a little bit of magic in, in his box of tricks, but yeah, it's it's a fabulous tournament, there's always great characters at the World Cup there's always passion uh, there's always emotion there's always colour uh, and there's always controversy too, great to see a bit of genuine controversy yesterday with the, or the day before with the ball that went out um, you know, the Spanish that led, led to Japan's second goal um, I think I don't think that VAR person will be uh, making any trips to to Germany in the next um, in the next <laughs> couple of years. So um, it's just this is just the World Cup. This is why it's the greatest sporting event in the world, and why football is the greatest sport. And also the supporters. I mean, the noise in those stadiums has just been phenomenal. Japan. One of the reasons they've progressed. That, 50,000 supporters. <laughs> they just don't let wow. up. They, they, they're making incredible noise from start to finish. Uh, of course, being an Arab World Cup, the North African countries and the Middle Eastern countries have had phenomenal support. And of course, the Argentinians are sensing something. So they've traveled in huge numbers and they're, they're just, the, you know, the passion and the color. That's what I love about it so much. Hey, Ewan, I'm not going to ask you who's going to win the World Cup, but what I am going to ask you, because we've got something at the end of the show, it's called 
it used to be called punts you should run a mile from, but we've become really good at it because we use expert knowledge on the show. Thomas Waldrum said to us two weeks ago, he said the All Blacks versus England was going to be a draw, and that's what I picked, and it was a draw. So I want to to use our expert knowledge. And of the rank outsiders in the World Cup at the moment, and I say rank, so that's anyone from $31 up to Australia, $201 to one. Who do you think's got a chance there? So that's Croatia, Switzerland, Japan, Morocco, USA, Senegal, Poland, South Korea, Australia. Okay, out of those ones, I fancy Japan and Morocco because they are so well organised. Um, yeah. they're, they're disciplined, they're organised, and they're brilliantly managed. So they're the two that stand out for me. That game between Morocco and Spain looks very tasty um, because I think the Spanish had real difficulty breaking down that Japanese defence, and I think they might find it's the same against Morocco. And, of course, Japan, they're the darlings of the tournament, aren't they? I mean, any neutral would just want to see them go on and on. I think the stars of the tournament, actually, Daniel asked me before, those Japanese substitutes, they've been running up and down that sideline when they scored those two goals against Germany and then at the end against Germany, then running up and down the sideline when they scored those goals against uh, Spain. They even got to run up the sideline twice because the VA, the second goal went to VAR oh, and then they ran up, up the sideline at the end of the game. I mean, those, we, I want to see more of those Japanese substitutes celebrating. And I want to Brilliant see more of, um, of, of, our, um, of the South Korean manager too. <laughs> Mr. Bento. Mr. McCabe, thanks so much for dropping by, my friend. I know sleep is a priceless commodity for you at the moment. Go get some. You've got another... Uh, um, big couple of days ahead. Uh, only two games tomorrow. It gets a little bit easier from here on in. Netherlands, USA, Argentina, Australia. Four game number four hundred ninety-two and ninety-three. Uh, and raise your bat when you hit five hundred, my friend. It's uh, it's a hell of an achievement. Thank you, Ewan. Okay, thank you, Grant. I'll see you at the basin this summer. <laughs> see you there, brother. It's uh, Ewan McKay, the World Cup baby author and uh, World Cup football super fan. Yes, super fan. If you've got a streak of watching four hundred ninety-one uh, World Cup games consecutively without missing them. That, that's watching the whole game, not the highlights.